bureaucracy's basement to your ears. This is the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau file reports, make recommendations, and try to survive on water that drips from the boiler pipe in the back room into our open mouths as we sleep on a bed of dot matrix printer paper. One day, maybe, we'll escape from this mother subterranean basement, but until that day comes, this city's not going to improve itself. So here we stay, improving things. Ah, this meeting. It's now in session. Hello. That was quite the uh, quite the intro. You know, uh, I, I heard I heard our meetings are being picked up by HBO, so I thought I would spice it up a little bit. Oh dear. Yeah. I hate what's going to happen in episode three. Oh yeah, there's going to be a lot of budget, but probably some uncomfortable uh, scenes resulting in a scandal, and uh, I'm going to get my head chopped off in episode nine. Oh, dear. Yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers for the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Also, lots of nudity. Lots and lots of nudity. Unfortunately, it's, it's just me. So, yeah. And it's that's, radio. It's, that's the fortunate thing. That is the one fortunate thing um, about my nudity is that no one can see it. Anyway, shall we take attendance? We should. Please. Ooh. Okay. First attendee, uh, Fina Eklund. Fina Eklud. Fina Eklud. How do you spell Fina? Uh, P-H-E-N-A. Oh, then it's not the Fina I'm thinking of. No, no, it's not the, it's not the gas stations or the Fina family of New Brunswick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, this is uh, Fina Eklud. Uh, she was the inventor of Eclidian uh, geometry. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, uh, it was all over TikTok. She really thought it was going to take off. Uh, it was uh, it was a way of calculating angles based on popular dance moves. You know, it's just a matter of time before TikTok math takes off. I know. Well, that's that's how they calculate the angles in flossing, or oh. whatever that what dance is called. Yes, it's a chaotic system. It needs special math. Exactly. Uh, anyway, she got sued by the ghost of Euclid. Uh, there was a DMC takedown, and uh, Euclidean geometry. Uh, We'll, we'll have it stay when finally, you know, digital rights management is no longer an issue. Good. Well, you know, I look forward to talking to her about that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. Uh, me too. Uh, except uh, I did not see her come down. Um, no. Oh, hold on. You know what? Sorry, I, I mixed up the letters in, in the name. Hold on. Oh, no. It's okay. It's okay. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get through this. Um, it should be Paul Deshen. That's actually me. Oh, nice. All right. So you're here. Uh, and uh, second attendee is uh, ooh, Noamia Grand. No, I don't. I don't see a Noamia Grand. No? Oh, okay. No. And uh, I, uh, I, I have no, I have no uh, backstory for, no, for Noamia Grand. I was going to pronounce your name Nomia Grand and spin that off into a Noam Chomsky thing, but uh, I, 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 tacked, I tacked wrong. Oh, I was hoping you'd go with a Klaus Nomi uh, direction. Nobody? Nobody Klaus Nomi? Did we lose Aiden? I think we lost Aiden. Hello? Oh no, Aiden, did you mute yourself? 
Huh. Oh, no, we just lost him outright. Oh, no. I hope that he's okay. His cat finally had enough. Oh, he'll be back soon, I'm sure. Oh, sh Aiden's just texted to say that his power is out. <gasps> oh, no! <laughs> oh, poor Aiden. Oh, oh no. no. Oh, it's just like... <laughs> Nothing works out. We can't catch a break here. <laughs> um, you know what it probably is? It's probably uh, like Shaw, Bresciani, and Mole just like. Just oh my like, God. Like doing like a prayer train to yeah. how to make sure that we avoid talking about uh, their bullshit. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. He said we should just carry on the meeting without him. Carry on the meeting. Sounds good then. All right. I guess, but which means that we don't know who else was uh, on the attendance list. Yeah, sadly. So I think we're going to have to uh, just assume that once again, we don't have quorum. That's pretty safe to assume, probably. Yep. But anyways, uh, we do have you here as a guest, Jack. Hello. It is great to have you back in the uh, Improvement Bureau. Yeah, thank you. Always, always a blast to be here. Uh, something really huge uh, happened over the last couple of weeks that I absolutely needed to talk to you about. Um, you'd be, I don't know if you're an expert on this, but uh, uh, it's super important. And uh, a lot of people are wondering, you know, what's your hot take on this? And it's uh, the city hasn't adopted the drain program. It's an opportunity for you to help the city help your drains by adopting a drain and promising to keep it clean and I, giving it a name. I love it. Like you do? I, I think it's the best. Uh, I think that it is just like a really cute way of like keeping of like building like neighborhood and like community. I don't know if Regina does this in other ways, but like back home in Yellowknife, we like there's tons of like adopt a, a blank programs like across the yep. city people do it with like streets people do it with uh with just like parts of the neighborhood and it comes around every year during um or twice a year during like community cleanup mm -hmm. but it's sort of nice because you're like walk you know you're like walking downtown anywhere not only downtown and you see like a little sign that's like this block is like, you know, adopted by, and then like the name of a community organization or of like a family. And it's really nice. I think it's nice. Me too. Um, and then they're responsible for, yeah, for like cleaning it up once a year or twice a year. Um, I think it's really sweet. I, I mean, ideally I would just like live in a city that people uh, like paid enough taxes in or like money mm -hmm. was spent more efficiently. Like, like, if we like defunded police maybe um, and we like had more money that I didn't have to pay to take care of a drain. Like I didn't have to like adopt a pet drain. That would be cool. But because I guess, I guess police are kind of a different sort of drain on the economy. <laughs> That's true. They are. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, I think it's cute and ideal. Like I, yeah, ideally we would have money to support infrastructure in our city, but we don't because we built a stadium without a roof mm -hmm. and we built um, suburbs suburbs right we just like keep investing in like having to like you know develop bus routes like into the suburbs we have to uh we spend you know 90 million plus on police tons of other great things um so i guess that means that we have to adopt 
drains so that they yeah. don't go hungry. If you think the notion of adopting drains is cute, uh, I want to play about a minute and a half of the press conference at which they launched this program. What you're going to hear is uh, Curtis Doney. He is the wastewater and environment director at the city of Regina. And this is him introducing the adopted drain program. Storm drains take good care of us. And now it's a new way for us to take care of them and be a good neighbor at the same time. Regina residents can now get rewarded for giving their neighborhood storm drains a little tender, loving care by adopting them. Adopting a storm drain is easy and a great opportunity to give back to your community. So we can go to regina.ca slash storm drains to view the interactive map and select your storm drain. Enter your contact information, give your storm drain a great name, and choose one, two, or five years for how long you'd like to adopt it for. Check your email for that welcome package and let the storm drain caring begin. Adopt a storm drain participants can also receive a free safety vest and gloves to help them be safe while they're caring for the storm drain while supplies last. In addition to your welcome package, you can get an awesome adoption certificate that you can proudly display in your own home. Did I mention that we'd like you to name your catch basin? Your hardworking storm drains deserve a name. In fact, storm drains that are adopted between today and May 30th will be entered into a contest. The city will pick the top 10 names from them and the Regina residents get to vote for the top three great names from June 1st to June 8th. And the winners will be announced on June 10th. All right. So that was Curtis Doney, the wastewater and environment director at the city of Regina, launching the name a storm drain, adopt a storm drain program that they've had. And I just want to say uh, that that press conference goes on for a while. I think it's about 10, 15 minutes long. And I just unconditionally loved that press conference. Uh, I love it in every possible way. I love it unironically and ironically. Um, it was it was just a pure delight. And after all of the other stuff that's been going on at council, uh, I just thought it was wonderful. And I just I, I enjoyed his enthusiasm. Uh, I want to I want to hug the writer of that uh, press release. I also think it's really, really sweet. And I, I think it just, it really makes me think of like, it's like reminiscent. I've been rewalking Parks and Rec. It's very reminiscent of just like, you know, like I imagine like Leslie Nope in some room being like, no, we should do. Uh, and that just like really endears, like endears the city of Regina staff to me. Yeah. And so I, I think it's, I, yeah, I think it's really sweet. What made me sad though, but also like made my heart like swell two sizes bigger was, uh, I don't know that any press showed up for this because there was only one person asking questions and, uh, they didn't introduce what press, uh, what media outlet they were from. And, uh, the audio quality was as good as the, uh, as Curtis Doney's. So I feel like maybe it was like somebody from the media department asking these questions. And then they released the audio to journalists. And I was like, oh, he probably worked for hours on that speech. That makes me really sad. And I just, yeah. you know, what they should do is they should do like, after this contest has been the winner, the winning drain has been selected. They should do a press conference like with someone personifying the drain. Like it'd that be really is such cool. a great idea. 
Like it'd be really, like, you know, it'd be like, what are you? And they could be like, I'm just so excited to have a mom and dad. Like, it'd be really cute. I would be more interested in adopting a drain if like there was some type of like little plaque or like a little like engraved thing that went on the drain to be like, this is the name of the drain. Like I would, and honestly, if I had to pay extra to do that, I would. Like they could just pass on that cost. Usually I have a lot of criticism on the city when they do anything, but this one, I'm just like, you nailed it, man. You hit yeah. it on the park. Hey, you're probably worried. What happens? You, you get back to Regina and you go out and you're like, okay, I want to name my storm drain. And oh no, some, some dastardly villain has already taken your storm drain. Curtis Doney has an answer for that. If someone goes on the website and the one in front of their house is already taken, what would you suggest they do? If a storm drain or your favorite storm drain is already taken, we suggest you just go down the street half a block and there'll probably be another one there for you to adopt. So there you go. I love that that was one of the questions that either a reporter came up with or someone in their media department was like, yep. we need to make sure that someone asks this question. Oh, but Curtis Doney, like... In his mind, he has this idea that people might have a favorite storm drain. But, okay, do you that not? Means, well, no, that's just, like, it means that Curtis Doney definitely has a favorite storm drain. Okay, and so I don't really spend a lot of time outside as an adult because I sure. don't have to. But yeah. um, when I was a child back home, I totally had, like, there were certain storm drains or just, like, areas where a lot of water would be. That were my favorite because, and usually it was like, cause as a child, you want there to be like, you appreciate when a storm drain doesn't work because then you get to be in the puddle. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, yeah, I think that there, I think that that makes sense that there's like some storm drains that people maybe like more than others. 100%. What I would tell you is that I would be more likely to prefer a storm drain if it had a little, if, a, if it had a little engraved name on it. I might suggest that to Curtis around like, can I get this little plaque put up or like a sign? I don't know what would be cheaper, I guess, but probably just the little plaque. I don't know. See, for me, I I don't feel like this, this program went nearly far enough. And I think that I would be far more excited if you didn't just name your storm drain, but you got to give it combat powers. And then we were able to enter our storm drains into a storm drain arena where they fought. Like Pokemon. That would actually be really cool. But one of my big concerns, or I guess sort of like parts to me that are really confusing, is that I'm really confused that Regina even has anything that we can name. Because I was under the impression that the oil and gas companies just really loved putting their name on like Regina city property. So I'm really looking forward to like, June 10th, like all the storm drains in the city have just been like sponsored by the refinery because they just like, they put a lot of energy into like making sure that the city of Regina like allowed for them to like get the naming rights to different things. And I just can't imagine that storm drains wouldn't also be included in that. I'm just really looking forward to like having a lot of like oil and gas related punny names. Yeah, I'm going to name mine Irving. You know what, actually, what we could do is like we could just get everybody in Regina who's going to buy one to just like name it after your favorite like oil executive. 
you know, and we name all of them because again, the oil industry just loves putting their name on yeah. Regina, on city of Regina thing. So yeah. Or you could name them after your favorite hydrocarbons. That's true. Yeah. 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 That's not as exciting. I just don't think it's as funny, but you're right. It's not. <laughs> um, Thank you. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, so anyways, I, that like when they first announced it, that was sort of like my main thought was just like, wait, yeah. how is there anything left to name? Because yeah. like, and so I'm wondering, did they give like first right of refusal to the oil companies? Oh my God. But this could mean that this is all that's left. Oh, maybe that's you, why. You know how I, you said that they're like adopt a thing programs up North all the time. Maybe the dregs are just the storm drains and that's we we get the sewer and uh the oil executives get the filet mignon of naming rights in the city of regina well who knows all all but all i'm saying though yeah. is like if we if we aren't able to if they aren't able to adopt every single storm drain then they sh- then like we should just like submit like write an open letter to the oil and gas industry about like about like you should adopt all of these drains in Regina. So yeah. I, I'm interested in that. Like, oh, but no, <laughs> they would never go for it because when you adopt a drain, you don't just name it. You have to clean it up. And the oil industry is terrible at cleaning up after itself. Um, I mean, not if you read their own reports. Who's deciding what That's is true. clean? Like, is it is it a self? Is it like a self-reporting system? That's a good question. We don't know how this adopt a drain program is being monitored. You could sign up and name a drain and maybe you're like some slacker and you don't, yeah. you don't ever clean your drain. I want to, I don't want to name a drain. I want to name the puddle that forms at my local drain. But I guess that maybe answers my questions about why the oil and gas industry wasn't so excited to adopt, to like sponsor all these drains. And it's because they had yeah. to take care of them. Yeah. But maybe that is a yeah. good and- naming right like maybe that's something that we can add amend to the naming rights policy is that like yeah you can get your name on mosaic stadium but then you have to take care of it oh like maybe that's a that's, great idea right or just like you know like the different wreck you know like if you want to if you want your name on like heritage community pool then you have to cover the cost of taking care of it and maybe that's you know, a way to make sure is- that oil companies don't buy those things i mean they won't let's be real like yeah. that was just like that was just like a weird like symbolic thing that they were angry about but man i've never been in that stadium and me neither i just like don't care about it at all they're gonna be holding this is news word is they're gonna be holding grad high school grads will be held in mosaic stadium so that they can maintain social distancing for graduation like okay i know like part of me is I'm just like that's like I'm really glad that like graduates are gonna you know because I think that that's like a really big deal and like I know that grads who graduated last year were like really bummed about it but I'm also like man that'll be the best use of that stadium like yeah yeah it's like that's and when we when when the city talked about it about like we're like the city like we're gonna be able to use this stadium for different things and like community-based whatever um so this is like a good example of that actually happening and it only took a global pandemic for you're you're 100 right and considering that we're paying uh, next year will be the last year that we increase the property tax rate to pay for the stadium uh so that means going we will now be at okay 
It's a little complicated, but it's not like every year we're only paying 0.45% of our taxes to pay for the stadium. That's an, that's an accumulating property tax increase. So going forward, once we reach the maximum growth of property taxes, we'll be paying over $13 million a year to cover the stadium and its debts. Uh, that just makes me so angry. I just don't even, I don't even know how to process that information. Um, except for maybe like, I don't pay property taxes. Like, really? I don't own property in Regina. You'd, you'd be paying it through your rent though. I mean, I guess so. But I also know that my landlords would probably be annoyed at mm-hmm. having to having their property taxes go. Conversely, we're doing the same project where we're like for several, like not for 10 years or whatever it was for the stadium. It might have only been seven. But uh, for, I believe it is three years, we're going to be doing the same thing where we incrementally increase property taxes to cover our recreation facilities, which I think is fantastic because that money is going to be going to pools that everybody uses, uh, you know, parks, playgrounds, all this stuff that everybody uses. I'm like, this is the kind of thing we should be building in a property tax increase to cover. But but we got a stadium. Yeah, which is good. Which is good. Maybe the drains around the stadium will be the ones that people are like fighting over them. Yeah. Adopting adopting those. I doubt it. That's a busy street. Yeah. And it's a sketchy neighborhood. (laughs) Well, either way, we'll see. I'm excited to see like the list of drain names. Yeah. Once they're, once they're created. Oh, absolutely. And uh, lots of people have good ideas that they've been posting to Twitter. I did not uh, write them down, but uh, there will be good stuff. Um, anyways, we're just about done with this half. We have to move into innovative revenue tools. And I actually have a drain-related innovative revenue tool for you. Love it. Instead of just naming our drains, adopting our drains, uh, we should be selling our drains as NFTs, as non-fungible tokens. I do not understand how NFTs work. And I'm worried about this revenue tools just being just involving like you explaining them to me. You know what? I don't understand them at all either. They strike <laughs> me as, do you know about gold sinks in um, online role-playing games like uh, World of Warcraft? No. Okay. So when there's too much money, when you've had like hyperinflation in World of Warcraft, they introduce some like special pet that everybody's going to want to get. And it's just a gold sink. Everybody's going to spend like, you know, 10,000 gold to get this stupid, I don't know, unicorn weasel. Right. And uh, so that's a gold sink. So I think that's what non-fungible tokens are in the real world. They're just interesting. That's really interesting because so, and as you know, because you follow me on Twitter, I really Mm -hmm. love Neopets. Like I talk about it. Yeah. And Neopets, one of the major reasons why like the Neopian economy just like, just like is is so inflated now is because they didn't have any gold sinks. And so like you, so you had all these like adult players just like hoarding wealth, I myself Uh included. And so kids would start playing and then like anything they wanted to buy would just cost like millions of Neopoints. So they just like quit the game. Um, but there was this really good, like, I think like a group of economists or something, or maybe just one guy who knows, yeah. wrote an article about like the, how the Neopian economy like didn't work for that reason. Um, and so now I'm just really fascinated by what you just told me. And I'm going to like look more into it, which yeah. I don't need a reason to look more into Neopets economies. But that is, uh, yeah, that's really interesting. And I do think like when it comes to NFTs, I saw a thing online, like, 
is it but like are memes nfts like people keep talking about like turning art into nfts and i don't understand what that means yeah yep yes do you understand what that means no no i don't like and then i follow a lot of like obviously like queer and trans people on twitter who like have made jokes about like turning like a nude like a, like a photo of their genitals into nfts which i think is also kind of funny i don't know i don't understand what they are i don't understand what it means so yeah let's do it let's why not yeah. what's the worst that could happen um i don't know I, I i can't imagine it would be a problem i think it's only a way to make money for the city of regina even if we don't understand it i'm sure we'll make money no i think it's a good idea i i also though wonder like what other things in the city could we adopt? Adopt a counselor? That'd be good. Some of them I just feel like really need to be taken care of. Maybe have yeah. like some really just like honest, vulnerable conversation. Um, because some of them I feel like they just like the questions that I've been hearing them ask in council really just makes me worried about them. And like maybe they don't have safe spaces to go. Um, I tell you what, we should talk about it in the next half because we have to get to the pre recorded innovative revenue tools right now let's do it the queen city improvement bureau would like to acknowledge the regina warehouse business improvement district for their support of our show the regina warehouse business improvement district improving the district where there are warehouses in regina and we're back from Innovative Revenue Tools, and uh, this is the Queen City Improvement Bureau. We're speaking with Jack Brasseur tonight about everything that's been going on at Council. Jack, the last time we had you into the Bureau, it was to discuss the conversion therapy discussion that Council was having. And since then, uh, Council had their big meeting. So we met after the uh, Community and Wellness, uh, Community Wellness and Blah, Blah, Blah Committee, their meeting, which was a total cluster. Yeah. And then council had their actual meeting. So the report then went on to council. And just as sort of like uh, background, uh, the original report from administration had suggested that council just write a letter to the federal government saying that they support uh, the federal government's uh, conversion therapy ban bill C6. At committee, that was changed to uh, some language about endorsing um uh, endorsing like the Canadian Psychiatric Association's uh, definition of conversion therapy and their repudiation of it. Also uh, that th- it kept the stuff about writing the letter to the federal government about Bill C-6. And then it added on, and this was at, uh, I believe it was Councillor LeBlanc who added a motion saying, let's just institute a conversion therapy ban. In no, Regina. I mean, no, the motion, the motion from LeBlanc was to, uh, was for the, administration to prepare or to explore the possibility but not to actually right right it was to it was to explore the possibility of doing council could examine the possibility of maybe possibly banning conversion therapy so that's what council was facing uh and what we got was the same cluster at council that we had at community wellness which was uh there were 33 delegations i think it was only 31 showed up to speak Uh, Many of those were from out of town and there seemed to be a concerted like national and international effort by certain people who are opposed to conversion therapy bans to try and scuttle what the city of Regina was doing. And there were also several delegations who were local. So of the, I believe it was 12 of the delegations were local. 
11 of the 11, sorry, 11 of 12 delegations were in favor of a conversion therapy ban and 11 of those 12 were local and one of them was from out of town. Um, I think I explained that roughly right. I think, I think it's that there were 12 speakers. So there were, yeah, 12 speakers who support, who spoke in favor of the ban. Yes. And 11 of those 12 were from Regina. Okay. That was what I was trying to get out of my mouth. Yeah. 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 Whereas Uh, the majority of the, or of the 20 speakers not in favor of the ban um, and Briar Patch, like the Saskia's Patch with Briar Patch did some reporting on this. Yeah. That was um, John Cameron, an excellent, excellent article. Yeah. And they found, they said that 20 speakers out of 20 speakers, nine were verifiably from outside Saskatchewan. So what's important to keep in mind is that's verifiably. So like, we don't actually know how many of the, you know, there was a number of them that like, we're not sure about, but at least nine were from outside of Saskatchewan. Right. So nearly half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So this was a nine and a half hour long debate. And I wanted to sort of kick off our discussion of it. Uh, A lot of the um, discussion revolved around, you know, what kinds of therapies are and are not going to be allowed if there's a ban and what are, what kinds of therapies will and will not be allowed uh, if the federal ban comes into effect. And many of the people who came forward said, Oh, we want to have access to therapies that allow us to control our homosexual behavior, uh, but not change our orientation. Uh, this caused some consternation for four of the counselors, uh, most notably Brishani, Shaw, Mole and Fendura who didn't speak through the meeting. Uh, but just based on his votes, he was confused by all of this. So I want to just play just a moment of Councillor Mole being flummoxed by what was going on and what he had heard from one of these out-of-town speakers, Emmanuel, who spoke against a conversion therapy ban. Okay, I'm confused. I'm not sure if anybody can answer this here, but I'll ask the question anyway. So we heard Emmanuel speak. And so he wants to he wants to reduce his sexual thoughts or behavior, I suppose. So not because sexuality is a behavior, but because the definition explicitly bans reducing the behavior. So will Emmanuel in Regina, under this bylaw similar to Saskatoon, still be able to receive counseling from a counselor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist that we've heard from? Thank you. Councillor Stevens, do you want to take this one? Well, thank you. A couple of points. We're we're basing, and I respect uh, the response to a delegate. I don't know who this person is. I don't know the story. Um, Fact-checking and asking questions of other experts suggests that if you wanted advice and therapeutic advice and support, to become celibate, to be celibate. There's nothing preventing you from doing that. This is a ban on conversion therapy. And I think that's where some of the deceit and misdirection is coming from, is that they're conflating the two. I don't know precisely what he's asked for. And secondly, I'm not sure it's fair to base an entire policy or direction around a single delegate who came before us to speak about this who's part of a national movement, and we've seen the half a dozen of those delegates here saying the same story and constantly referring to each other. I'm not convinced that these are credible positions for us to use to craft a bylaw. 
I, all due respect to all of those delegates, they have their own experiences. But as I fact check and ask others in the field, could this uh, individual seek support under the ban and in this community? The answer is yes. So I'd have to know a little bit more about precisely what he's looking for and what he's testing to, to provide you with a solid response. But my understanding is that if you wanted advice for some of those issues that he and other delegates spoke of, that's still perfectly acceptable. But again, a therapist can't engage in conversion therapy, is my understanding, nor someone in the medical community, because they would risk losing the right to practice as per some of these definitions. So I think there's too many variables to say, could Emmanuel find his place here? I don't know what he was looking for, and I'm not sure that that's enough to base a bylaw on. I, 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 no, I don't know the details, but I, I appreciate the question, Landon. Okay, maybe further to that. The Saskatoon bylaw does state reducing behavior, and that's what Manuel was looking for, and he was denied that in Calgary, and that's what the Saskatoon bylaw states. So uh, for those reasons, and here's his story and many others, I cannot vote in favor. Thank you. All right, so that was uh, Councillor Landon Mole with some questions that were being answered by Councillor Andrew Stevens. And I should note this was also in response to Councillor Stevens changed the motion about the conversion therapy ban report. And he just said, let's write a conversion therapy ban based on Saskatoon's bylaw. And that did end up passing, but Councillor Mole there said he would not vote in favor of that, but he ended up voting in favor he of did. it when it came time. Oh. There was some peer pressure going on in council that day. I. I... Oh my God. It made me so mad. And I think I tweeted about this like that day where I was just like, but it's just like, I couldn't imagine being just like that, like blatantly just like giving in blatantly to that much homophobia and transphobia. And then to just like, to just like wimp out. What the fuck was the point, man? Commit Jesus. Like these people these counselors, like, I don't even, they, I'm just, oh my God. I just, honestly, it makes me so mad because yeah. I'm like, you couldn't, which I don't know. Like they just like, couldn't even like, even if the, God, it's like, they all talk about how like people should have access to this type of, so I'm like, you couldn't, you couldn't commit to voting the way you wanted to. You, you could, you probably wouldn't be able to commit to going through this type of therapy. Like, what is happening? Like, you would just be like, oh, never mind. Like, I don't know. They just, they, it just, it made me so mad because what the f was the point of listening to nine and a half hours of people spouting just like violent rhetoric about queer and trans people in our city for everyone to like, oh, I don't know. I'm so you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, why were we there? Why did we have to live through that if uh, they were just going to vote in favor of everything anyways? I guess it's the process. The journey is more important than the uh, conclusion. <sighs> Something that I've been struggling with. Uh, when I was reaching the end, I felt somewhat traumatized by this nine and a half hours. I felt very um, offended and upset and I felt very much like this discourse was an attack on or very much, or an insult to the LGBTQ community and by extension, the whole community and people who care for LGBTQ people. And yet people have asked me, well, why? 
why did you feel that way? Like what, what happened? Give me an example. And I, I can't pull just an example of what happened over these nine and a half hours. It's like the whole meeting in aggregate just felt. Yeah. I I think that you're really hitting, hitting the nail there. And I think so. And Kat Haynes talked about this and the panel that we held where we talked about this and she talked about, you know, there was, I think, I forget who, I think maybe I forget which, who, like what journalist entity sort of reported on this, but there was a journalist who attended a like SASC pro-life association AGM, I think. And they Mm -hmm. talked about how during that annual general meeting, people were talking about um, a certain piece of legislation or something about how, like, if we can get this passed or like, you know, if like, if we get more people to support this, then it'll make other things easier, like, uh, like anti-trans legislation, et cetera. And I think that that's that feeling, right. Of like, what we saw at city council around this whole conversation was you're right. I don't think, I mean, I think that there are some, a couple specific examples of people saying really violent things that are like explicitly homophobic or transphobic. And it's like very easy to identify that, but there's other things that are just like these really subtle or like, you know, people playing mental gymnastics. And it's, it's about this feeling of like, people are trying to see what they can get away with this like cloudy foggy homophobia where they can eat you know they can sort of claim ignorance or feign ignorance um and it's i really think it's about testing the limits is like if we're successful in striking this down then we can strike down the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and we saw this you know, in the United States, a number of years ago with like this push on like anti trans like bathroom legislation, mm-hmm. which they couldn't do they couldn't, they couldn't pass, you know, that it wasn't very successful. And they recently were able to do that in a bunch of states about like women's sports, right? And like banning trans kids from sports. Well, guess what? People sort of didn't really think that was a big deal. And now there's a bunch of states where kids trans kids can't get healthcare. So right. Like, this is about, like, a slow process of, like, trying to figure out what is acceptable and what is not. And I think that city councillors in particular, you know, are, you know, like, the big four, uh, (laughs) you know, like, Vendura, Shaw, Bresciani, and Mole, I think are, like, sort of, and whether or not they, whether or not they claim to support LGBT people, it's, like, pretty clear based on the continue, you know, even, even some councillors who claimed to have learned or you know claimed to have like grown like we can see by their line of questioning to pro lgbtq speakers during you know delegates during city council that they did not change their tune Mm -hmm. um whether or not they realize it i think that they really are trying to see what can i say without getting accused of homophobia in a way where it sticks because right. I think city councilors know based on what we saw at the school board level la- you know, last October, where you had a couple school councilors with retired public school vote in an obviously, you know, either like homophobic or like LGBT antagonistic way. And they lost their seat. And that was over. Um, a pride uh, flag. Yeah, Pride Flags, uh, Alina Young's uh, motion yeah. to allow Pride Flags. And uh, they voted, or they, they voted to uh, do more research. And and so I really, like, I think that, and again, like, it's just, 
people I think saw what happened at city council recently as like a success. It's not a success by, by voting. Yes. These counselors knew that they wouldn't succeed and they knew that this was not the, the battle. Like this was not, you know, the war, right. Yep. Um, lose the battle, win the war. Like for them, it's like, I think that there's going to be a concerted effort to either like vote down, which I think that they know that they can't do because they're the, you know, in the minority in July, but they're going to try. And this is, I've heard this from a couple different organizers in town. They're going to try to amend the bylaw. Yes. 100%. And, and that's what we need to for, especially for maybe some counselors who are not as leftist as we ideally would like them to be, but are still sort of like centrist is to say like, this is not about like compromise. Mm -hmm. You cannot sort of support LGBTQ people. So I don't know. I think that there's just, there's just so much here to unpack. I don't know. I sort of, in some ways, I wish that Mole and Fendura and Shaw and Bresciani had voted against because it would have kept people angry and engaged. And it, and like Regina is apathetic. People were mad about it for a while, but like I'm trying to do organizing around this and I've seen the drop in people who are interested in supporting. And it's like not what everyone's talking about anymore because it's over. We're good now. Yeah. So we're on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Uh, and uh, we're the Queen City Improvement Bureau. And I'm with Jack Brassour talking about the conversion therapy debate and uh, councils vote to draft a conversion therapy ban bylaw based on Saskatoon's bylaw. And that's, uh, as you alluded to, coming back in July. And I think you're 100% right that when bylaws come forward procedurally, they people, anybody in Henry Baker Hall can speak to a bylaw. And I think it's second reading. I could be wrong about that. It could be first or for third. Uh, anybody in the hall can speak to a bylaw. I think we're being set up for another nine hour debate on this. Uh, We do, because of COVID, you do have to like alert the clerk's office beforehand that you're going to speak to a bylaw. Whereas in in normal days, you could just show up in the hall and write your name on a slip of paper and speak to it. It's kind of like your last opportunity to speak to a law before it gets passed. And yeah, I think the, the catch is... How will these counselors attempt to change the language? Uh, they were basically instructed by counselors LeBlanc and Stevens that they now have an opportunity to go off and do their own consultation with their own communities and then come back with any wording changes they want to suggest. And Counselor Shaw seemed very obsessed with this notion of behavioral therapy, which she never really clarified what she meant by it because I know that there's like the assumption seemed to be that she was suggesting, well, if people have behaviors they don't like, they can get therapy to fix that. And she kept making these really icky comparisons to like, you know, pornography addiction as though that was in any way comparable to somebody getting, you know, therapy for anything else. I mean, and, but, and this, like, Paul, this is what's so interesting is that I've had a number of conversations with people who I respect a lot who, um, you know, who are not part of LGBT communities, but are part of faith communities. And they've asked me those questions, like that they've heard from people, right? Where it's like, but I'm worried about this. And and I had one conversation with someone who said, you know, well, what about, right? So they were talking about, you know, like sex workers, right? And like, well, what would, you know, like for the, you know, for the man who's like seen like male sex workers versus the man who's seen, you know, female sex workers. And like, I didn't go into detail about like, well, maybe let's talk about like destigmatizing like sex work. I didn't go there. But I said like, no, actually, I understand why you're confused. But like, when we're talking about a therapy to reduce behavior, 
the behavior we're trying to reduce is not gay sex workers. It's not like using gay sex workers or hiring gay sex workers. Yeah. It's not hiring sex workers because you're cheating on your spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and so again, so it's similar to, you know, to like, yes, you could still talk to, you know, a 15 year old girl who's having sex with her girlfriend you could be trying to push her towards abstinence in the same way that you would be trying to treat and again it goes back to like it goes back to like hate crime legislation or like discrimination Mm -hmm. policy like it is not discrimination if you would treat everybody similarly so in the same way that it is not homophobic to tell you know two boys who are giving each other hand jobs in their grade 11 science class it that's not homophobic if you would also tell the girl who's giving her boyfriend a hand job in grade 11 science class to not do that and it's the same idea and so i explained this to them in an email it was like three sentences it wasn't even as long as i said it to you and they were like oh well yeah that makes sense yeah and i'm just like but if this is like could you not think that critically they like I, I think a lot of it just has to do with like not being able to think outside the box, like in their own mm-hmm. world. And I think part of this has to do with just like straight people's inability to think critically about sexuality at all. Yeah. This, go- this goes back to why I felt so frustrated and, and traumatized by this meeting that um, so many of the people who came to speak against a conversion therapy ban and by conversion, therefore speaking in favor of conversion therapy, uh, we're motivated by, you know, the fact that they don't want gay sex to be going on at all. And so the behavior that they want people to get therapy to get rid of is gay sex. And that counselors seem to not really interrogate that at any point in their own heads, like to put together, this is what they're really asking us to get rid of in our society that they didn't do any of the research of these speakers that um, we, we mentioned before the SASP dispatch story that John Cameron wrote, where he ran through several of these people and what they're, so they didn't really recognize that there was a, a campaign of hate that this was just an extension of that's been going on for decades in our country. And that these people are just, you know, the frontline, the frontline workers in a campaign for hate. Well, and, and they're all the same, like at every yeah. city council meeting across the country. It's hundred percent. And then, and this is what really ticked me off, is that these counselors would then say to these people, oh, thank you for coming. We, you know, I really respect your courage for coming out and telling your story to us. And I was just like, I wanted to vomit that they were stroking and applauding and, um, just validating these people and the stuff that they were saying just beyond the pale to me. It's honestly not that surprising to me because, and even like a lot of the people who spoke were like ex gay, right. Or they were Mm -hmm. like, you know, they were people who identify as like having same sex attraction or sort of other, you know, sort of language where they don't identify as LGBT, but they identify like on the fringes of that community because they don't want to be engaging in, what they deem to be like, you know, sexually inappropriate behavior. And I think that this goes back to the way in which there is a proper way to be gay and a bad way to be gay. I do think that there needs to be room for people who choose to live in a, like, to live a chaste lifestyle because 
because of whatever they're navigating. And I think like that is for everybody, you know, and I, I believe like, I believe that Emmanuel, for instance, is like just as much a part of the LGBT community as anyone else. I believe that he is like, that his experience is important to consider and to remember and to acknowledge that like all different, different types of LGBT people want different things. But I think the difference in that is that I, as an LGBT person, am not, I, I do not, or at least I work as hard as possible to not come with judgment statements or like judgments to Emmanuel about, you know, like, well, you should, like, you should want to be having gay sex. Listen, if you want to be having gay sex, don't have gay sex. There's tons of different ways of doing that. And if you're trying to, if you're struggling with that, then yes, I hope that you can find someone to support you. But there's also a larger conversation around like, people shouldn't have the right to healthcare that doesn't work or for things that aren't real. Like I can't go to the hospital and demand someone treat me for cancer if, if, if I don't have cancer and I Mm -hmm. can't go to the hospital and demand that a doctor treat me for an illness that doesn't exist. Like I went to the doctor and I said, I have this illness that causes me to, uh, to wear the color green too often a dog like a doctor is not refusing care for me by saying to me actually wearing green uh isn't a harmful behavior um but oh wait oh oh you're getting drunk every night and putting on the color green well then let's maybe talk about that and it sounds like maybe you're drinking too much and let's figure that out but like and so again i think that it goes back to like when people are talking about like gay sex behavior that they're trying to mitigate it's always tied to like, well, I was partying too much. Or I was like, you know, I would do a bunch of cocaine and then like go all these guys. And it's like, I feel like the problem here is not you guys. The problem here is that you would do cocaine so that you felt good enough to guys. And like, let's have that conversation. It's not a real illness. Like having gay sex isn't an illness. And if you think it is, you're not having the right kind of gay sex. There's like a lot of like, I know so many workshops that I can point people to, to like help them learn how to have good sex. Like if that's the problem, but I don't know. It's just like, it's just so frustrating because I just like, I want to just like have a conversation with so many of these city councilors and just be like, what's your problem, man? Like, did you just like watch too much gay porn or did you not watch enough gay porn? The wrong gay porn? Like, have you, I don't know. I'm just... I'm sorry, we're going to have to wrap this up right away. But the, the, the one last thing that I wanted to just touch on was something Master said. Now, she came off looking very good from this meeting, and I actually had some issues with things she said. At the Scrum afterwards, and I want to thank um, a reporter uh, at the Leader Post, Alex Saloum, who shared his uh, recording of that uh, Scrum with me. Mayor Master said uh, that she didn't blame the two-spirit LGBTQ plus community if they were either not watching or were not participating as delegates whatsoever, because it was hard to listen to some of this. And I guess I took very cold comfort from this because what it meant was, and it had come up a couple of times in the meeting, that there were a lot of LGBTQ people who didn't feel comfortable coming to a meeting like this. It did mean that the meeting was dominated by the pro-conversion therapy voices. They got the most time. They got the most questions. They got the most praise of anybody who showed up. So I don't think saying, oh, I get it. You couldn't make it because it was hard is such a good thing to be saying. Maybe we need to be putting some 
effort in place to make it so that we don't have such a trauma inducing meeting in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Like for me, it was just sort of like, okay, like there's systemic issues then though. Like if I can't, if the way that I am being talked about is so violent that I can't listen, like that's the problem. I, I think that there just needs to be and again, I think that just goes comes down to like the lack of expertise and understanding of like how homophobia and transphobia is perpetuated. Whereas like if people were saying those types of things about other types of marginalized people, they would have ended. Like it would have ended. Mm-hmm. Um, people wouldn't have been allowed to say those. If they had been saying these things about the oil industry, their mics would have been cut off and they would have been sent home. Yeah, no f-ing joke. So I don't know, maybe that's what we need to do is just we need to like get a bunch of oil and gas workers to speak for LGBT people about conversion therapy about how bad it is. Yeah, or maybe let's like name the bylaw like the the co-op refinery bylaw to end conversion therapy in Virginia. That's and fantastic. maybe that would solve the problem. On that note, I think you have solved the problem and I think we should, I think we have to call this meeting, unfortunately. I think we came up with a solution though, so. I think you did. I think you, I think you nailed it. (laughs) So thank you so much, Jack, for coming on the show. Uh, You're always welcome at the Bureau whenever you have a hankering to talk City Hall. I'm, I'm ready to do it. Okay, well, I don't have anybody here to second my motion to adjourn. But uh, we're adjourned. Uh, You've been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. You can find us on the interwebs at uh, www.queencityib.com and on Twitter at at QueenCityIB. Coming up next, it's the Nerdcore Cabaret with the mighty Maddie V, followed by the cockpit, and then there's music all on through the night. Uh, Thanks for listening, and keep on improving, Regina.